office one day. I have to, you know, think of things in that way. So it's, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. I know it. So, so I, I feel like I'm not insane, but they were just applauding him. And it's like, you know, that's why there's only me as a woman. With comedy, it's, it's a way to like ease into people to, to like break that outer shell and let they will let you inside if you're funny and if you're good at it. Comedians Exposed, a podcast where comedians talk about vulnerability with your host, Deanna Kobe. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Comedians Expose. Today, we have Asbury Park's most valuable person, and this person is well-known all throughout New Jersey and the tri-state area. This person is not only a hilarious comedian, but this person also writes a column for the Rainbow Room for the Tri-City News. This person is an important activist helping organize the Asbury Park Women's Convention, in addition, they are an elected official for the Tinton Falls Democratic Committee. This comedian also does run a room at the Anger's Bend, and I am so excited to have this individual on Comedians Exposed today. So would you please help me welcome my dear friend, Jess Alamo, to Comedians Exposed. Welcome, Jess. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And that was the nicest introduction I've ever gotten in my life. I think I'm just going to have you introduce me everywhere now. Yeah. You're just going to come and introduce me wherever I go. Yeah. No, it's so great. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited you're here in the midst of election season. Um, I was hoping that we could kind of dive into talking about not just your comedy as well, but your activism. And I wanted to know, like, do those areas intersect for you? They they do. Absolutely. And especially running like, you know, the, the comedy mic in Asbury Park and then being so politically involved in Asbury Park. It wasn't always easy. I had to, you know, always, always keep that in mind. That's Probably the most difficult thing you can do as a comic is worry about offending people all the time. So it's really, it's literally like defined who I am in a lot of ways. What were some of the things that you faced? You said it wasn't always easy. So what were some of the hard things that you came across trying to do both comedy and having a political presence? So I, I think the issue for me was like in such a small town like Asbury Park, if I made any joke that offended anyone, it would get around. And there are people who... um you know how people sometimes are just offended and want to silence everyone. And it's also my fault because if I'm putting myself in a position where I might want to run for office one day, I have to, you know, think of things in that way. So it's, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. I know in, in Asbury when I, um, Madison Marquette owns like the whole boardwalk in Asbury and they run Anchors Bend. So I remember one time they were doing the Price is Right live in Convention Hall, which is right next door to Anchors Bend. And I, I made a joke about like, imagine if you planned your wedding since you were a little girl and the day you have your wedding in convention hall, the price is right. Freaks are walking around because someone's <laughs> wedding was right in the middle of it. And you just see these people like with their name tags looking totally goofy. <laughs> and I, I got it. I got a phone call like immediately from Madison Marquette saying I needed to uh, take the joke off of the internet and apologize. Cause they didn't find it funny making <sighs> 
the Price is Right contestants because they bought tickets <laughs> to that show. And um, but I've had to deal with some shit like that where I've been called into meetings and told what I can and cannot say. I'm really at the point where I don't give a shit anymore because it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's 2020. And I think if anything we've learned, it's that nothing matters. So, um, yeah, it's definitely interesting having to balance those two things. Yeah. Do you feel more passionate about one area over the other? Do you feel that they're just complementary to your life? So this is something like I'm still struggling with, and I, I've struggled with this for for years because I, I don't know what I care about more. Because I like freedom of speech, and I like saying whatever the fuck I want and telling truth, you know, in a funny way. Because I think that that makes people find common ground. And it's so important, especially right now. And I care about, I mean, the reason I got involved in politics is because I want to help people. You know, I want to make sure everyone's voting and people are taken care of who are voiceless. But the truth is, I'm starting to realize that the only way that you can make an impact in politics is, you know, by holding politicians more accountable rather than joining them. And I'm sort of like feeling this. And it's helped with my comedy writing a lot because I've been able to let that go that aspect of like, oh, if I run for office and they heard this joke, then they will literally ruin my life in the media because they do those things. And I've sort of let that go recently. And um, I've written a lot of really good stuff that I'm really happy about, happier than I've been in a really long time. So it affects the comedy a lot. Wow. What are you writing about right now? I'm just writing about certain like Trump jokes that I, I couldn't even say in a room full of Democrats, abortion stuff, um, stuff that I kind of did anyway, but I would have to sort of be careful when I did those jokes in Asbury Park. And I mean, you'd think Asbury Park is like this open-minded mecca, but it's also just a lot of people who are, uh, you know, white kids whose parents have money and they moved to Asbury and now care about social justice. So they come down hard on on certain jokes. And it, you know, it, it was difficult for a while, but I don't care anymore. So cool. <laughs> What do you think about that though? Especially... Like, I feel like young people with this idea of being social justice warriors coming down hard on comedy, because, you know, I feel like that's a relatively recent phenomenon. Like, just thinking about, like, the stuff that, you know, I grew up with, you know, what was normal on TV is not normal now. So what do you think about the social justice warriors targeting comedy? Do you think that the efforts they're making are worth it? Or do you think it's misdirected? Yeah, I think they're so misguided. Um, I think in their heart, they probably think they're doing the right thing. But when it comes down to it, if you're able to get offended by literally everything, then you are privileged because there are real people out there who aren't privileged, who deal with bullshit every day. And, you know, you say the, you know, not that I'm saying that some things shouldn't be corrected. Things should be corrected. We should hold each other accountable. But the policing of people who mean well has really played its part in just tearing this country apart. And it, it's it's both sides, you know, and, yeah. and censoring is really a Republican thing. And it really bothers me that people who call themselves progressives are trying to shut down artists because they don't like a joke. So that's just sort of my take on it. I saw a lot of artists who were calling for the Dave Chappelle special that was on Netflix about a year ago. They were calling for it to be banned and for Netflix to be shut down. And I'm thinking like, first of all, like, what? What? Like what happens when they come for your art next because one person doesn't like it or a few people don't like it. And I, I truly think, you know, we need to support artists more than ever right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people who are progressive and really have the right thoughts going on in their heart are doing more damage than good. 
Was there something particular? Um, Because I think I saw that Chappelle special, but I can't remember the one area. Was there anything in particular that people were attacking it for? Uh, what I remember is I remember he made a few jokes about transgender people. Mm-hmm. And like, personally, I really didn't find them funny. Um, I think he's brilliant. And I thought the whole special was really genius. It was like one of the best comedy sets I've ever seen. But I still didn't like those jokes. And I didn't call for him to be banned either, you know? Yeah. Um. But I, I think the transgender thing, and there was also, I think he did like a pedof- pedophilia joke or some shit. Michael Jackson, maybe? Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that one. Yes. <laughs> People were mad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's crazy because it's like, especially like those are all the things that are happening. That was what was in the news. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of like how he kind of wants to, I guess, how he processes things. But it it is become very touchy because it's obviously... Mm-hmm just the nature of the subject matter. What do you think about, I wanted to ask your thoughts about, because Louie, he's coming back. You know, he's touring. I saw he's at the Stress Factory. What do you Mm -hmm. think? Because I feel like cancel culture, there's a place for it in terms of like looking at things like say Harvey Weinstein, right? With his actions. But you know, I feel like cancel culture with words, like there's a big difference. For sure. What about someone like Louie? Because I feel like the lines are so blurry with him what do you think so um just to be to be clear like i when i say cancel culture is ridiculous i'm not referring to like harvey weinstein like he oh yeah (laughs) he should be you know go to hell and die um i don't care what happens to him um but but you know like um i think that good people can do shitty things as far as as louis i don't know if he's you know done the work yet because it's very soon and he just went back when he first came back the first time he did like a set, I think it was at Comedy Cellar, and he didn't address the elephant in the room. And everyone's thinking it, you know, and and that's important for a comic to be honest. And I don't think he's been honest yet. Um, he had a really good press release to the New York Times, and he said he did it, and he apologized, which is, you know, that's all good. But I'm just not sure that he's really taken the time off to reflect and think about what he did and work on himself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's possible in like a year or two. Right. I mean, he did some pretty, pretty terrible things. I, you know, what? I think, yeah. And I think with Louis, like for me, like, cause again, I don't think he was remorseful. Like I heard his set after it hadn't even been a year. He wasn't even yeah. like quietly, like reflecting for a year and he pops back up and he does a set and he sounded just like an angry, bitter bitch. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. to me, it just was like, all it does, I feel like, is embolden like all the shitty comics out there to continue to continue their bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. if you're funny enough, y'all, you, it doesn't matter what you do, you know. Yeah, um, or it, you know, if there's people willing to listen, um, even if something is super wrong, you know, it's it's scary. They're so you're right. They're so emboldened, and I almost feel like I've seen it. I don't know if you have. I've seen a shift in comedy over the last few years, um, just with the things that like men will say in an open mic where, you know, a couple of years ago they would have gotten their asses kicked and thrown out of a bar. And now it's kind of like, Oh, well, he's just being funny. That's what is funny. Now it's locker room talk. It's all this bullshit. And um, it, it, you know, I don't believe in, you know, not joking about certain things, but I believe that it should be funny. If you're going to be a dick, at least be yeah. funny. And it's, it's not pretty a lot often. of dead women jokes, you know, a lot of like, dead women jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah very the punchline is a dead woman you're like okay wow yeah yeah I saw um recently I saw a guy 
get up on stage. It was his first time ever doing an open mic. So like, good for him. He wore a suit and tie, got up on stage and talked seriously. Like he did a whole monologue about how it's hard to be a white heterosexual male in America. Oh my God. (laughs) And I was the only woman at the mic. So I'm just standing there. Well, it was me and and my fiance, these two, you know, couple of dykes just standing there, like watching this, like, please come, like, come on. I'm trying to look and get other people's gaze and so, so I, I feel like I'm not insane, but they were just applauding him. And it's like, you know, that's why there's only me as a woman at that mic. Uh-huh. <laughs> they feel comfortable oh going yeah. there and saying that, that shit. So yep. I, I made the mistake the other night. I was at um, a show and I had this joke I was doing about dick pics. And I've, I've taken to asking the audience um, if they send dick pics, because it's always, you know, good comedy gold, you know. Yeah. And uh, one of the other comics proceeded to say yes he did and then proceeded to pull up his dick pic and I was like oh my god God." yeah (laughs) I'm like what is you know what I mean it's just like what was he a comic huh was he a comedian or an audience member he was a comedian (laughs) that makes it so much worse I feel because (laughs) it's not funny at the end so it's also no no you're being disgusting but also you're not funny so but it's like it's that's the more offensive part I think (laughs) And you think about like trying, like, again, it's like, I've had conversations with people of why, oh, women aren't interested in doing comedy. I get a lot of that. Like, oh, most women aren't funny or most women aren't interested in being funny. And I'm like, no, most women don't want to deal with the shit that we're like talking about. And then if you bring it up at all, like me, like I'm, I'm very outspoken, you know, like I have a nonprofit that's for women to run for office and elect women. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a lesbian. Like I, I like women, obviously I don't, not like men, but you know, I'm, I'm an outspoken woman. And the second you start speaking out about these things, um, then you're really not welcome. Even if you just, you know, try to make the environment a little easier for women. Um, that's a big no, no when in the boys club, it's, uh, (laughs) it's, that's, you know, that's, it's tough. It's really hard, hard to balance it, to be honest. Do you ever feel isolated in comedy? Yeah, I do. I mean, I have for a while, I, I think because I worked my ass off and like, I might not be the funniest. I'm not the funniest, but I've always worked my ass off and I got some really cool stuff. You know, I've been in, um, you know, I've been on in cover of a couple of newspapers and, uh, I got the Asbury park top comedian award. Yeah. And, um, but, but when you succeed in, in any small scene, um, people don't like that, you know, people get jealous and a lot of it, I'm sure, you know, I, was deserved because I, I was, I'm not the best. I'll never be the best, but I will always work my ass off. Sometimes working your ass off as a woman is, is seen differently than if you were a man, because men are supposed to go after what they want. If a woman does it, it's suddenly, you know, people don't like it. They get kind of turned off by it. And that's just the reality. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's a, it's a very, it's, I think it's a different world for women I mean like I have no context obviously because I've never been a man but just like hearing talking with other females and like you know it is it's like it's a you have to kind of prove yourself constantly Mm -hmm. I guess I mean maybe that's true for all comics so like again I don't know the experience for everybody else Mm -hmm. this is why I do this This is why I want to talk to people like what's what's similar what's different um what what made you get into comedy um I actually, this is embarrassing, but I used to go to poetry open mics, which I'm very ashamed of. 
<laughs> I didn't realize what I was doing is that I was going up on stage and telling jokes because the person, you know, ahead of me would talk about their trauma and it would just be like bullshit I couldn't stand. But then I would get up there and, and make people laugh. And that's when I realized, like, I'm actually kind of doing stand up comedy. So um, so I signed up for for an open mic and I and I loved it. So that's really how it started. <laughs> it's still going. I mean, with COVID and everything. I feel like I have to learn how to be a comic again, honestly. Once I get up on stage, it's just, it's crazy. It's like all our identities have just shifted during all this craziness, so. Yeah. Have you done any Zoom mics? I haven't, and that's that's on me. But I personally, like, I really just didn't want to. Like, I felt really uncomfortable doing it. And I felt like, I don't know, I, I didn't, I, I didn't want to do stuff for myself or like online shows for myself because I needed to do it. I, um, you know, I wanted to make people laugh and I think I, I give props to people who could do zoom comedy, but I can't, so <laughs> I just can't do it. So especially if I have to stare at my own face, like, fuck that. No, I, want to- <laughs> yeah. no, I like to stare at other people and hopefully make them laugh. What's know. it like before you get on stage for you? What is that experience like then? Um, I'm a nervous wreck every time. Yeah. Um, even if I, you know, I likely am going to kill if it's a great crowd, if it's like people who I know will like my jokes, um, it doesn't matter. I have a panic attack every time before I go on stage. And then the second I start, I'm fine. And then afterwards I feel fantastic. But every time before I go up, I, I am a mess <laughs> still. Yeah. Uh, no, I feel like that's I, some people I've talked to. A lot of people get like that anxiety beforehand, mm-hmm. and then as soon as they're on stage, they say it just dissipates. Yep. So it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think well, a lot of comics we we hate ourselves. So <laughs> so like the the second before you get on stage is like the ultimate. Like oh my god, like I'm really about to get up in front of these people. Like what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> it's it's a crazy thing. We are not well. We are not well people who do this. Um, and, and, and so, you know, it all, it all comes out right before, for me, right before I go on stage and, um, and then usually it's fine, but (laughs) it's dreadful. It is. It's a dreadful experience. Yes. (laughs) But what motivates you to do it? There's nothing like making people laugh truly. Like, um, it's, it's like a drug. So like, even at this point, if, if I wanted to stop getting up in front of people and making them laugh or bombing, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, I blame my parents who um, gave me too much attention as a child. <laughs> now I'm uh, probably should have beat me more. I think about that a lot, actually. Huh? Now I, I, you know, I just feel like I have a microphone every, every, all of my life. And now I'm, I'm a comic, which is awful. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's weird, you know, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it is, it's so weird, but when you're doing your comedy, what are you trying to shape it to be? I'm still figuring that out all the time. Um, what I want to do is I, I want to be truthful, but funny. So it's palatable for people. Um, Cause you know, when, when anyone says anything right now, first reaction that someone who's listening to them has is to get defensive and, you know, get tight and, and um, with comedy, it's it's a way to like ease into people to to like break that outer shell and let they will let you inside if you're funny and if you're good at it. And um, there's there's nothing like that. I think it really, really is what people need all the time, but especially now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, people definitely seem very stressed lately. Mm-hmm. What are some of um, the topics that you talk about that are the hardest things to talk about for you? Um, I think anytime I do a, a Trump joke, um, I have to really, you know, scan the audience first. And for a while, I, I, you know, no one wants to lose the crowd. So for a while, I was kind of avoiding it. And then I, you know, again, I want to be truthful. So I, you know, now I don't avoid them. I just come out with the jokes. But um, depending on the crowd, I mean, people can get very angry, especially um, older white men. Uh, like if there's any white boomers at the show, they they really don't take well to those things. And a lot of times they'll heckle. Um, but, you know, I love those jokes the most. So and, and you know, fuck Trump. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> your hecklers and your experience with hecklers, would you describe it mostly as just old boomer men for you? Yes. Every time average heckler. Time, except once. And it was the worst heckler I've ever had in my life. Oh, what happened? Um, I was doing a show in Trenton at Mill Hill Basement, which is like a punk punk rock um, venue. So it was, you know, it was interesting anyway. And um, it was this um, touring comic and he was stopping there and they asked me to do like 10 minutes. And this, this one woman in the crowd was so wasted before I even got on stage that the second I got on stage, she just started screaming that she's going to murder me when I get off stage, (laughs) screaming. And this is a punk rock club. So they don't really deal with comedy. I mean, generally, like if you're doing, you know, you're trying to do stand up in um, like a club and someone was screaming that they would make her leave, but it was kind of like the wild, wild west. So I just kind of had to like talk. I, the whole set became a conversation with this lady about how she wants to murder me as soon as I get off stage. <laughs> it was so weird. And then um, eventually, right before my set ended, we turned it around and she said she wanted to fuck me after my show. Oh my God. <laughs> so it out. But um, that was definitely the craziest heckler I've ever had in my life. Wow. Um, Sounds guys are predictable, you know. <laughs> that was not, nothing in my life could have predicted that. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh that yeah that sounds like a crazy heckle they are <laughs> never, never know never you never know who you're doing comedy in front of that's kind of the exciting part too yeah you never know how people are going to respond to what you're going to say yeah it's 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 there's nothing like it it's fun it's you know you'd have to be an idiot to do it but it's fun so what happens when you feel like you're bombing? Like what describe, like, say you feel like you lost the audience. Do you get more confident or do you kind of become a uh, more of a wallflower? Um, I think if it's like um, a normal, like comedy club and they're just not feeling me, I usually get more confident. Cause I'm like, fuck you. This is funny. And you're going to fucking listen. Um, but in cases where it's like a crowded bar where people are just there eating and drinking and they won't shut the fuck up just because a comedy show started. Um, I still have trouble with that. I mean, when they can't even hear you and you're just being drowned out by a no- by a noisy bar, um, those are that's the roughest bomb for me personally. Yeah, and um, I usually just start screaming to get their attention. But but yeah, that's that's the roughest. Where's the weirdest place you've ever done comedy? Ooh, that's a really good question. <laughs> um. I did comedy in, um, I guess there's like this creepy old playhouse in, in Homedale. And um, I did a set there in front of entirely Trump supporters, which was weird. Um, there were some really good, good comments, good comics on that show. There's Ken Krantz, who's like a fucking killer. 
and they didn't even laugh for him. So like this crowd was rough and um, it, it was in like the middle of the woods. It was just so creepy. And I also think um, the second weirdest slash worst place I've done comedy at is every week at my mic at Anchor's event. <laughs> I think it, was, it was great. And it, you know, started this whole scene and it was wonderful. And I, you know, I cherish um, the mic, but but man, sometimes that crowd was rough <laughs> and they did not come there to see comedy and you had to convince them that you were funny and that they're going to laugh and get into the show. And sometimes that's really hard. Yeah. Why do you think it is so hard? Like, cause especially when you think about it, it's just a statement like, Hey, yeah. I'm going to try to have fun with you. Right. Yeah. Like to me, like it's so innocent and so sweet. Like if you put it just for that sure. way but then it's like all of a sudden doing comedy becomes a whole different beast yeah I mean if if it was me or you even before we started stand-up and we were just chilling at a bar and someone you know put up a, a mic stand and started doing comedy or an open mic people like us would think that's awesome you know it, it's art it's expression they might suck but whatever they're doing it and it's cool you know it's, it's part of something bigger it's part of an art scene and we should all support the arts however <laughs> Some people are just assholes and grumpy and they don't, they don't want to deal with it. You know, they want to go out and drink and um, not, you know, I, I don't blame them a little bit. Sometimes, you know, ball and dick jokes for two hours isn't like a thrill. But, <laughs> yeah. but, you, know, you know, people just aren't fun, I think. Yeah. Do you think that there's sometimes a level of resentment from people that they want to do it? Oh yeah, especially running a mic and like seeing the kind of people who heckle for weeks and then show up and try to do comedy. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. I got to tell you, because um, they're the worst. And, and <laughs> you know, there, there are some people who who are you know loud and angry and heckling, and then um, they'll come up to me after and be like, um, "Oh, so is it same time next week? I think I'm going to try it." And they are pathetic up there, and that in that moment they realize that it's not easy. Um, it's, it's beautiful. I loved when that happened. It happened kind of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 for that reason, and because I've seen that, I really think that's part of it. I think, um, people are, are scared to be, you know, unapologetically themselves, especially with a microphone in their hand in front of a crowd. Like, I mean, that's, it's insane. I wanted to ask you, because I always like to talk with comics about jokes that they have that they do where, mm-hmm it's controversial that you're going to risk losing the audience. I always like to describe it as the sound, you know, the, when the audience's buttholes clench up and you can see oh, that yeah. they're all uncomfortable. <laughs> they have to look at each other before they can even Yeah, laugh. they're like, can we laugh? Is this funny? I yeah. don't know. Someone give us a sign. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you'd be willing to share one of those jokes with us. I did one um, a couple of weeks ago, actually. It's not like a joke that's in my set. It just kind of came out when I was on stage. Um, but, but I think it kind of applies here. So, um, because of my ties to like politics and, and the democratic stuff, I got asked to do a stand-up set that was being filmed for a telethon. So it was, it was in the stone pony and I didn't have a crowd. So it was just me with, with a couple of cameras trying to tell jokes on the stone pony stage, which was really scary. There were a couple staff members of like the Senator. And, um, I made, I made some in, I, it was in this set that I decided, like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, if these people want to cancel me, that's fine. You know, I want to I want to just be true to myself. And I made some awful joke that was something like um, that I go to that. <laughs> I know all the people in the room from the Democratic stuff. And I, I go to 
the Democratic caucuses and I try to get really involved. I personally go to the Disability Caucus and I said I do it to pick up blind women. <laughs> like that could, like the fact, I did that in front of the fucking senator. And, um, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they're not going to air it, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm never being invited to ever do that shit again, but I thought it was funny. And, um, but those are the type of things that you really can't say if you also want to be in politics. Do you, don't you think though that's dangerous for us? Because I feel like that's kind of how this mess we're in. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when you look at Trump, because it's like Trump, we, you know what I mean? Like he's clearly a fallible person, but like, I feel like so many people ignore the things that he's done wrong where it's like, I'd much rather have a politician who was honest and being like, this is what I've done. This is how I've lived as opposed to like this alternative narrative that, you know, like we're no, there's no one believing in the reality, you know, like the reality is Trump's fucked up, but everyone's touting him. Like these right wing Christian evangelicals are like, he's so holy. He's like, you know, we definitely created him specifically politics in America, because, you know, as someone who's been on the inside and is still on the inside sometimes, um, it's a fucking mess. It's fucked up. And it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican, um, women of color, um, gay people, um, uh, women in general, they, they are treated pretty badly in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And, um, I think the issue is that people just stop trusting politicians. And honestly, it, they, they were smart to do that because most of it's bullshit. Um, is, but it, it's so much better than Trump. And I think we all, you know, kind of owe it to ourselves, especially the Democrats, to do better and actually attract some young people into the party because people have lost faith. And that's why Trump happened. So what do you what do you, would you say to people who aren't voting? Yeah, that it, it breaks my heart when people don't vote. Um, usually I just bother them every day to register nonstop until they hate me so much that they just register. So I'll shut the fuck up. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> actually yeah can you do me a favor and will you plug your social media for the listeners because you were so helpful with information about voting um so if you could share where we could find you on social media sure. um i'm on instagram it's at jess alamo um, my last name is a-l-a-i-m-o um so that's on on my instagram i'm also on uh, on facebook i have a twitter but i don't know how to do it <laughs> twitter <laughs> it's so intimidating to me. And then, and then TikTok, fuck that. Oh my Twitter. You need lots of cocaine. And like TikTok is like, literally like, we are just, we're done. We're so dumb. Like, do you, do you ever see that movie Idiocracy? Oh yeah. That's TikTok. Yeah. It's yeah, exactly. And it's just like in hours, you could spend hours on the rabbit hole of TikTok. And I think that people think that they have a lot of people listening because you just, you scroll and you scroll and you scroll. So the, the, you know, the videos are like three seconds. So you can view you know, a thousand in an hour, probably yeah. like theoretically, or maybe the math is wrong, but you know, you could do a lot an hour. So then people's views run up and their likes run up. So everyone thinks that they're like a movie star and they're famous and they're an influencer. And that's scary because most of these people are really fucking dumb and, and they think it, you know, it, it's a culture of narcissism essentially, mm-hmm. which is frightening. The content is, is also just really creepy. <laughs> so <laughs> it weirds me out. It's, I feel like especially like how much there was a lot of hullabaloo when there was 
they were maybe going to like shut TikTok down. Yeah. And I felt there was a lot of mobilization around that. And sometimes I feel like, you know, as a society, I feel like social media has become like, you know, the next obvious opiate of the masses. Oh, you yeah. Know, it's so placated. Um, I, I watched a documentary the other day. Um, I forget what it was called. It's something about chaos. And it was essentially how um, Russians used social media during the 2016 elections to make our country hate itself. We hate each other. And um, they literally focused in on an actual office building in Russia where they were in charge of creating social media content and just pushing it out and pushing it out to Americans. They would do stuff like they would create, you know, Twitter pages and web pages of news things that didn't exist. So like, oh, um, like the, the Boston Weekly, it, it like doesn't exist, but they would create these online. And so people would think they were legitimate news sources and then people would share them and they didn't do it one sided. Like they didn't do it like, um, oh, you know, Hillary's evil, Hillary's evil. They did it for both sides. They just wanted us to have essentially like a civil war, which is about to happen. And it, it, it's it's brilliant. It worked. And it's it's so crazy. Um, yeah. So and it, it's just social media is I think it's it's good, but it's mostly really, really bad. So. I feel like it's like, yeah, it's something that should be more regulated. Like, in my opinion, I think you should be at least 18 before you start having access to it. I don't know. I mean, it's just so it's so out there all the time. And it's so weird because it's like, I don't think we learn how to use it. That's why I'm saying like for 18, you know, I worry about the kiddos growing up in this environment of, like you said, extreme narcissism and then access to so much misinformation. Yeah, I, I went to um, a sunflower field the other day because I just wanted to be cute. So I went to like, you know, see the sunflowers and pick some. And um, I, I kid you not, there were at least like 20 to 30 people there. And it was like 95 degrees out. They were dressed to the nines, like in these ridiculous outfits. And they were doing photo shoots. These aren't like real models. These are, you know, they, they're Instagram models, which isn't, isn't a real thing. Like they're not doing this. They're not get. what are they getting out of it? They're getting artificial likes on social media and it's really taken over where everyone thinks um they're famous <laughs> and yeah. and I don't know why that's always been the goal like why does everyone want that you know yeah. like there, there are things that are so fulfilling that aren't on the internet um like you know actually living life and I I, I truly feel bad for people who grew up with it I do mm-hmm. I don't feel bad for the boomers who have no idea what they're doing it's kind of funny um you know <laughs> Um, Well, I wanted to ask you, um, as we start to wrap up tonight, I thank you first off again for sitting down and talking with me. Of course, it was really hard for me because I, um, I'm usually stoned every day now. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I do like, I I literally scheduled my weed smoking around this. So (laughs) well, we appreciate it. Oh my God. Is that on the ballot for New Jersey? It is. Yeah. Um, yeah, for anyone listening, make sure you flip the ballot um, and vote for the questions on the back. Because and vote yes for for weed. So, <laughs> <laughs> do it, do it. Um, yeah, and so yeah, I'm not high right now, but I feel like I'm, I'm sorry that we had to take away. I appreciate you like um, being able to give us your time, but I wanted to ask you as we wrap up, um, what would be one thing that you would have changed about your comedy journey? I think I definitely would have. Um, chosen to be truthful and honest and not be afraid of the political stuff um, because it really for a long time did affect my comedy 
And um, I, I, I hope no one else <laughs> does that because it, it's like, if you're ever censoring yourself, you're not your funniest. And, um, um, but, but there were reasons why I did certain things. Um, can I tell a quick story? Is yeah, of cool? course. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, for instance, like about a year and a half ago, um, I was on a date with a woman and she, she kissed me and she had like red lipstick on and it got under my nose and it looked like a Hitler mustache. Like we're both lesbians. This woman, this is a woman of color. And she, she asked, she said, you should post that. That's funny. It looks like you kissed, you know, Hitler or something. Uh -huh. So I wrote, I wrote some stupid joke with a picture of my face. I'm, I'm Jewish, by the way, I'm very Jewish. And I, I wrote um, a joke, something like, this is what happens when you go on a date with a Nazi. And it kind of looked like I got punched by the Hitler muscle. I don't know, I took a nap. And three hours later, I woke up and my phone was blowing up with um, people like I worked with in, in politics and news organizations. Basically, someone on my Facebook friends list sent this photo of me, the Hitler photo, with red lipstick on my lip, they sent it to um, a news publication who was threatening to expose me as like, I guess they wanted to spin it and say this, the Asbury Park Young Democrat is anti-Semitic, I guess. I don't know. But so really like, truthfully, I, I lived in fear for a very long time about being myself because it wasn't a joke. Like they were going to ruin my life, you know? And <laughs> and I, I finally have come to the point where you realize you know, you, all you can do is be truthful. And, and I think what's most important is honesty and humor. And you don't, you don't, you're not funny if you're not being yourself. So it took me a while to get there, but, but, um, I feel comfortable telling all those people to go fuck themselves now, which is nice. That's so awesome. That is such a powerful feeling. Been an interesting journey, that's for sure. Oh my god! Well, Jess, we have loved having you today on Comedians Exposed, and we appreciate you uh, rescheduling your smoke time to sit down and talk with us. Thank you for you know putting something on my schedule because I haven't had anything for months, and I also just want to thank you for doing this podcast and just for being you because having you as an ally in comedy, like truthfully, it really makes a difference and makes me want to keep sticking it out. Yes. Um, oh my God. I love that. It's so cool. <laughs> you're my role dog, Jess. I love it. <laughs> I know it's a tough, it's a tough battle out there, but I'm glad, like I said, that's one of the best things I think I've loved from comedy is meeting like really awesome people like yourself who yeah. like you said you're living in your truth. And once you yeah. get there, it's such a wonderful feeling. And it's so yeah. freeing and it's like, oh, and like, don't you want everybody to have that? I do. And I think everyone would be happy if they had it. And I think that's a lot of the problem, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you're, maybe we're going too far. Like, you know, these Trump supporters maybe shouldn't be truthful. I think they should, you know, maybe try to lie once in a while and uh -huh. not be complete Nazis. But, you know, um, as far as, as comedy goes, yeah, it, it feels great. Yeah. It feels great. Yeah. I feel even though like with people like who I have differences with, like initially what they might say might shock me, but I feel like if you deconstruct things, you know what I mean? Like it's almost like the comics that are so provocative, like those guys that say those things, like all the women hating jokes, right? Mm -hmm. If you really get to the crux of it, they're just insecure with women. For so sure. it's like I feel like if you could like at least start start off even if you're saying something that's hateful or hurtful mm -hmm. okay at least your line is then drawn in the sand and mm -hmm. then from there we have a baseline of figuring out what's really going on exactly i 
Yeah, I completely agree. Well, Jess, again, like I said, it was awesome to sit down and talk with you. I can't wait to see you on stage again. I'm really going to look forward to that. So we'll have to do a show soon, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. It's crazy, but I can't wait. So (laughs) Um, thanks for having me on here. Thanks, Jess. (laughs) 